Enterprise Management 360. Welcome to Enterprise Management's 360's Ask the Experts podcast. Today's session is entitled The Rise of Blockchain in Identity Management. Joining us today are Ryan Fay and Mark Helbush. Ryan is the Global Chief Information Officer for Mental Health Benefits Provider ACI Specialty, and Mark is a Senior Cybersecurity Consultant for GB Protect. Cybersecurity threats are on the rise and are constantly becoming more sophisticated. This has engendered support for using blockchain technology as a way to secure and upgrade identity management. As a result, blockchain startups have begun exploring more decentralized data management systems by joining forces with financial, tech, and government organizations. The aim is to thwart large-scale cyber attacks and identity fraud. Our panelists are here with us today to discuss and deliberate this rising trend and share their views on current and future applications. Mark, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Can you please start by briefly introducing yourselves and what you're currently working on? Ryan, should we start with you? Absolutely. Sounds good. So my name is Ryan Fay. I'm currently responsible for leading global business technology strategy for our global benefits firm, ACI. And I'm responsible right now for a team of roughly 1,300 multidisciplinary technology staff spanning 170 countries, communicating in over 180 languages. We've been delivering both corporate benefits and radically disrupting the concierge space for the last 35 years now. I've been with ACI for eight years. And since then, we've been using both blockchain, distributed ledger technology, and cryptography to essentially be able to deliver infrastructure environments that are both compliant and obviously work with different global regulations to ensure we have the right HIPAA compliance, high tech, PII, intelligent property, and we do all that via stateless key management. Some of the project we're working on right now is obviously GDPR to ensure we're ready for the deadlines coming up very shortly. And that's a top of mind. Thank you, Ryan. What about you, Mark? We're working with a diverse set of, of our clientele that are based here in the U.S., but also globally as well. A lot of the things that we are working with them are in the realm of compliance, regulatory, GDPR. But also what we're helping them with is to start to understand and integrate uh, digital technologies around cyber threats in the threat landscape. Identity management is a real big key issue with all of our clients. You know, when you look at the history of how you identify somebody, user ID password, we tried to move into passphrases, but as we're moving forward, we're trying to, the world is trying to get to a better understanding of being able to authenticate a person and really truly understand that they are who they say they are. So I'm helping organizations work through not only their newer technology platforms, but also their legacy platforms in building a better and stronger identity access and authentication program. Thank you, Mark. Let's begin today's session by explaining to our audience what exactly is blockchain and how it can be used in identity management. Mark, would you like to begin? Well, blockchain has been around for a while now, and it's been very interesting to see how it's been flourishing in the transactional and financial world. 
Blockchain really is a group of resources that are able to identify and confirm that a transaction is valid. Now, what's very interesting is we're starting to see them take that same philosophy and that same platform, but use it towards identity management. So now what's happening is instead of the concept that's moving forward is as an organization, I collect information about you so I know who you are. And I'm storing your personal information, the user ID, your name, phone number, social security number, all your personal information so I can always identify that you are who you say you are. However, the threat landscape has changed so dramatically that you're able to bypass those things now. And so with blockchain, what that's allowing us to do and what is opening the door for is to allow like a third party organization to develop a hash that is a summation of who you are as an individual. So no longer what's happening on the horizon and what I see the movement of technology going towards is that companies will no longer need to store your personal information. They just need to receive a hash that's been verified as and authenticated as you as a person. What we're really moving forward is in essence, I don't need to collect your information. I just need to have you give me a, a hash that represents you as an individual. And that then informs me that you are authenticated, but you're also representing that you are who you say you really are. And that's very critical in the digital connected environment that we live in today. You're not always able to say or verify fully the person or people that you're transacting with across the internet. Ryan, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, Mark gave a really good high-level overview of what blockchain is. So I think just from even higher level, I think a lot of folks are confused what blockchain is actually used for. So I think blockchain is just a fancy word for distributed ledger, and it's been really made famous by a lot of cryptocurrencies that coming in place. You know, So with Bitcoin, lowercase, that's the technology that essentially is a cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin uppercase is the blockchain technology itself. So I think a lot of folks are concerned and maybe confused what Bitcoin is, how it works. And it was really designed to, you know, let you store, send and receive money without needing a third party like a bank or PayPal or any kind of credit card company. And the main issue was until a true blockchain distributed ledger came around, it was very difficult to understand if somebody had a double spend problem. So that's what really was solved. And Blockchain has really been around heavily to really be able to prove, as Mark was saying, uh, refusable proof of work that was made popular in 2005. And it's been around since B Money, you know, even before then from WeDes. So I think what's happened is we've started to take the technology that's obviously been able to do a couple of things, make it easier to uh, solve the double spend problem, which is how do you know if someone's actually sending you the same money, they're sending somebody else at the exact same time. And that's been something that's been really great. And then as Mark mentioned a couple of times, it helps to make sure all accounts and transactions are public. And we're not revealing, you know, private details like your name, all is done on a ledger that's public. So it's easier to understand and easier to actually be able to see what's being transferred and what's being actually sent across multiple blockchains. And on top of that, I think 
one thing that's really been kind of taking this technology, there's been a big paradigm shift ever since you know, Vitalik came out and created Ethereum is that now there's more use cases for actual dApps, which are you know distributed applications that can now be ran on top of blockchain network. So all that together creates smart contracts, which has helped to create decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs, which has really been kind of the forefront in taking this technology and being able to do better, faster daily transactions, save orders of magnitude with money being transferred internationally, being able to have you know irrefutable proof, something being you know stored onto blockchain technology forever, and being able to have everybody see exactly what's happening in real time. So there's no question about what's happening or how it's happening. Companies have started to really initiate this and use it in enterprise level technology now. So IBM has come out with some of their blockchain hyperledger built on the Linux Foundation. And there's been other ones from JP Morgan that's Quirm that's built on top of Ethereum. So what's really happening is I think enterprises right now are excited to create use cases for blockchain, which is great. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of use cases for blockchain by itself. So a lot of folks are trying to you know, fit a square in a, in a circle peg and force it in. So I think in the next coming years here, we're going to see a lot more use cases that are going to be able to actually add value. Using blockchain, just use blockchain on average actually adds more complexity. It slows down the process and it actually makes things sometimes actually worse than just using a regular database. So that's a little bit kind of beyond what Mark was saying on blockchain as well. Thank you for bringing that up, Orion. Actually, that was going to be my next question. I wanted to know a bit more about what you guys can tell us about the current landscape for the use of blockchain in identity management. Mark, would you like to add to what Ryan has said so far? Ryan's making very key points here. And one thing I want to point out here is, you know, just the word blockchain, where you're dealing with in this environment now, in this landscape, is a multitude of resources that are chained together that create a highly secure environment for like ledger transactions. It opens the door for identity management. But because these blocks are chained together, you're no longer relying upon a single server for identity access management or authentication. You actually have a chain of them. So one or two of the blocks could go down, but the processes are still up and running and functioning, and they're all being connected and updated so in a manner that it's high availability and highly secure as well. Thank you, Mark. Ryan, would you like to add to that? As Mark was saying, there's a magnitude of areas that you know distributed ledgers and, and blockchain technology can come in and really be able to help and a lot of it's around as mark said earlier encryption and hashing you know and, and both encryption and hashing are fundamental to blockchain technologies and in short hashing is really just a one-way transformation of data so that way it's unreadable by another piece of data the hash value and then encryption can then take that and make it a two-way you know transformation that way you can encrypt this with a certain key that key can then be used to make the data unreadable or readable based on the decrypt. And then from there, what you know we're really focusing on with blockchain technology is just the immutable actions of transactions. So that way, nobody can go in and say that you can't delete the data, you can't go in and break the chain, as Mark was saying. And in a sense, you're rendering the complete chain unuseless if you were to try to remove a, a chain and start a side chain. So that just creates more transparency, which I think high level is great using public blockchain technology. 
I think what a lot of folks are probably trying to understand still is the difference between a public and permission blockchain. So permission blockchains, you know, are, are where the nodes are permissionly host, which means that they're, they're hosted privately, where public blockchain is obviously something that, that's made public. And depending on the use case, if you're obviously, you know, doing financial transactions, you may want to consider a permission blockchain, or if you're doing something with identity, you may want to consider a public blockchain. So I think all these areas, it's a very exciting time to be in the space right now. A lot of this is really dependent on the use case, as I said earlier. And I think part of what we're going to find interesting is that, you know, I've been deploying blockchain now for the past roughly eight years. And with GDPR now, it actually has a direct impact on how we're deploying blockchain. So we got to stop back and say, okay, with GDPR, which is the general guidelines for, you know, regulations in Europe is what exactly and how exactly do we want to store this data? Because now we have to be able to remove this data if needed. And with blockchain, there's no way to do that. So I think what we're looking at is, you know, obviously storing personal data on blockchain is great. And there's also, as Mark said, you know, you don't need to give a full record. You can give somebody a portion of that so they can just have what they need. And the personal data can be off chain and it can be stored as a reference of the data. It can be hashed along with, you know, other data or metadata, you know, if you want to have permissioned on that chain. And then what's also great is that, you know, there's companies out there that are looking to connect different chains together to create an environment to where you can essentially link this. So that way you don't have to worry about passing data to anybody. It can just be pulled directly off, you know, more of like a master chain. So I think high level, it's definitely something that's becoming more and more relevant around, you know, identity management and around how you're sharing identity, especially with all the breaches that have been happening lately. And what exactly do you need to give somebody in order for them just to be able to verify that you are who you say you are? That's more high level of kind of what we're looking at and where we're going in the next, you know, eight, 12 months. What about the next five years? The next five years, I think, is very exciting. I think what's going to be happening is there's going to be a paradigm shift in essentially the way that the entire infrastructure is essentially written, you know, and I think why should you trust that someone's going to store your data securely and not give it out or sell it? you know, Facebook, Twitter, other, you know, people such as that, they're going to be able to make money off of your data. So I, I think what's happening in the next five years is going to be the users are going to have control back over their data again. So individuals are going to say, I have control of my data. Maybe you're selling that data to third parties so that way they can use it. Maybe you're using it in a different way. I think that, you know, proof of stake, which is essentially saying I have this many funds or whatever it may be on this chain is going to be a consensus method that's going to come up. You know, delegated proof of stake, DPoS is going to be something that's coming up in the next five years having to do around centralized systems saying that you essentially have the ability to own this data, even though it's stored on this chain. And of course, it's the ability for you to granularly be able to give access to that data. And for certain use cases saying this person can see this part of my data and my record, but they can't see that part of my data or my record, you know? So unlike traditional databases, it's going to give you hopefully better user experience. And with the distributed databases, you know, there's already distributed bases out there like Cassandra, where you can essentially say, you want to run a cluster like Docker on top of that. And you're gonna be using these shared methodologies to be able to essentially run up a infrastructure stack. I think that's just going to be the next iteration of that. And it's going to essentially take that to the next level to ensure that we have the ability to have data passed through both securely, effectively and efficiently. Mark, do you agree with all this? Oh, I do. The next five years is just going to be a very exciting time, I, I believe, in the arena of blockchain and various use cases. 
I think starting off, though, really well-rounded use cases are going to be centered around, you know, one-time verification. And for example, here in the U.S., you know, we use social security number for years as a way of identifying an individual. I see blockchain and identity management coming together. A perfect use case would be for filing taxes. You know, now you're able to actually verify the person who's when they go to file their taxes with the IRS, as an example, to discredit the fraud and reduce fraud in that manner. We're also starting to see some new use cases that just came out this year within the healthcare industry, centered around doctors and nurses. So when they're performing their functions, they're able to distribute medical uh, medication, things like that, and not and being able to authenticate those individuals and authenticate the process and procedures that they're doing. That's a use case that's actually in beta right now. But I think in the next five years, the use cases are going to continue to increase. And as Ryan mentioned, you have to decide between the public and the private. You have to break down the global marketplace from buyers across the internet to reduce fraud. But then you also have to take it within your own organization and look at it as user elevated privileges within your own network to eliminate cybersecurity threats just within your own corporate network. So I think we're gonna start seeing a lot more use cases where companies can start using blockchain internally to reduce cyber threats and lateral movement and credential stealing. And that's why I think in the next five years, blockchain is really going to start to expand in a lot of different areas. And it's going to be something that also is going to be very powerful for individuals to control their own data and have a say into who gets to see their data and who gets to use their data. This brings us to our final question. Is there anything about the rise of blockchain and identity management that concerns you? Ryan, would you like to begin with this? Sure. So I don't think there's anything that actually concerns me with blockchain. I think if anything, it excites me. I think that obviously like any emerging technology, there's going to be a range of options. It's viability, it's ability to actually add value versus just noise. And I think using blockchain as technology is no different than any other technology we've been looking at forever. So it's probably going to take the same role over the next five years to really be able to give a full understanding of what this technology is going to be capable of. I think right now we're probably in, you know, part of the earlier adoption movers portion. You know, I think in the next two, three years, we'll probably be in the growth. And then probably in the next five years, we'll probably be full maturity, which is going to be mainstream. I think it's going to be integral to a lot of the ecosystems, capital markets, to you know numerous different organizations that are going to be using this. And I think in, in addition to that, there's obviously a huge paradigm shift that's happening right now when it comes to being able to see how information, as Mark said, is store managed and shared. From there, you know, like Facebook, you know, our personal data is highly vulnerable with online databases in its current form. And you have Equifax and, you know, FedEx and Aetna and all, all these hacks that happen. So it's really about being able to take that technology and be able to prove 
first off, that we are who we say we are. And second, be able to have cross-border transaction and payments be able to be more effective and efficient. And then be able to have the proper applications to allow us to have the minimum amount of information needed to identify us, as Mark said. And then be able to also ensure that we have the impact to man more control of our identities. You know, as citizens, we have the ability to say that this is going to be something that we want to control and we have full access rights to, you know, for identity management. So I'm excited, 100% excited for this. I think that public permission list blockchain technology is going to be probably forming more quickly than, you know, private permissioned blockchain, just because I think there's more use cases for distributed, you know, nodes that are distributed over multiple central authorities. And I think also uh, being able to, you know, take this and really be able to have a full replacement of technology stacks that are using non-distributed ledger technologies to have complete and utter adoption is very exciting for me. And I think this is a great time to be in the space and um, it's very relevant. What about you, Mark? Do you have any concerns or are you as positive as Ryan? Well, I am as as positive as Ryan is. I think at the end of the day, it gives the individual the power over their own personal data. However, there are certain aspects of this that does scare me. The reason why is, as Ryan's mentioned, all of these various hacks and breaches that have taken place, so much of our personal data has already been taken. It's already out on the dark net. Well, with blockchain, you're starting to see organizations that want to authenticate you and provide you with a hash that represents you as an individual. Well, so much of your personal information has already been taken. What would stop an individual that's not me going out to a third-party company and requesting a secure hash that represents me, and they're using my personal data that they've been collecting over the years? So I think what concerns me, not so much as scares me, is that when we start going into this, we need to redefine the criteria that's needed to really truly identify an individual in a deeper level so that we can really, at 100%, guarantee that we are authenticating a true person and somebody is not trying to get an authentication hash and pretend to be them. The other thing that concerns me, and we see this in today's marketplaces, you know, we have manufacturers that are delivering like IoT devices and things like that, and they it's rushed to market. So security tends not to be the first spot. So if you have third-party organizations start creating hashes for individuals to authenticate them, security really needs to be built into that whole chain. Because all the way up until a hash is created, you're supplying personal information. So I would stress to the world in the blockchain community that if you're going to collect data, create a hash for somebody, you need to really ensure that as you're collecting that data and verifying it, that security is the first thing that you address when you go collect it before you create that hash for an individual. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Mark. This was a very interesting conversation. And thank you to our audience for listening. For more podcasts such as these, make sure to visit us at em360tech.com. For more podcasts like this, head to em360tech.com.